0: ¿Qué cuento?
1: juice for uh we're gonna find out as we start talking so hey guys welcome to the bitcoin podcast i'm the host that talks first d fergalati or also you can also call me d if you'd like to
2: just gonna leave a pause there for what would be cory as the second host hold on,
1: i'm the host that talks next <laughs> all
2: right and i'm the third host jesse broke
1: <laughs> and uh welcome to it so Uh, If you've been listening for a mighty long time, you know what we're about. If you haven't been listening for a mighty long time, we're called the Bitcoin Podcast. We no longer really talk about Bitcoin that much, but it's a great name, so we'll keep it going. Uh, No, (laughs) no. Uh, You know, we've been podcasting for a while. We were like one of the first five. I think we were officially number four. One of the first five crypto shows. We've been talking about crypto a long time. You know, we're not Bitcoin Maxi, so we don't talk Bitcoin is going to be the reason why we ascend into the heavens. Uh, Bitcoin is going to be the reason why uh, the demons of Hades no longer uh, uh, you pick and prod at our heels. Uh, Bitcoin is truth. Bitcoin is God. No, we're not like that. That's There's a lot of people like that in crypto. We talk about all kinds of tech. Right. So let's get into it. So today's interview uh, was with uh, Alex. Alex at, uh the
2: bridge.
1: bridge finance. Yep. And uh, hello, audience. You know, welcome back to another uh, uh, the Bitcoin podcast interview. Uh, today we have uh, we have a special guest here from from D Bridge. How you doing, Alex? Doing well. Thanks. We have for uh, me here. Alex Smirnoff uh, from dbridge.finance, Bridge D Bridge Protocol, uh, co-founder, uh, long time crypto enthusiast builder participant all of the above but I don't want to introduce you and you probably do a better job introducing yourself so Alex meet our audience audience meet Alex Alex take it away
3: hi everyone uh, my name is Alex and I'm co-founder of uh, Debridge finance which is a cross-chain interoperability and liquidity transfer protocol uh what we are building is actually the decentralized infrastructure that allows to transfer any arbitrary liquidity and data between various blockchain ecosystems and uh, yeah it's supposed to be infrastructure that will be used by developers and by protocols to scale into other blockchain ecosystems and to make protocols composable cross-chain that's Mm. what we're building
1: Quite a difficult difficult task you have ahead of you, my friend. How do you? Okay, so there's so many places to go off the bat. So chain interoperability—it always to, to me it seems like a it seems like a unicorn. Like <laughs> I mean, I've been hearing these words for years, and it's not exactly easy yet for at least for the user. Um, it's getting better, but how does deep uh the bridge the bridge sorry i don't know how to make an act oh, the yeah. bridge man what <laughs> <laughs> times are fine How does has the bridge you know plan to make that a little bit easier for everybody
3: yeah so we, we can get a start from like the general discussion about the multi-chain world right because oh yeah uh there are many talks that we are approaching like multi-chain future but in fact we already live in a multi-chain world it's like with more than 100 blockchains publicly available and uh, the main problem here is that all those blockchains are not well interconnected with each other or interconnected through some custom custom, customized channels and uh, all those like bridges are different from one blockchain to another and the user experience is really is not really best one because users need to do their like due diligence they need to go from one interface to another in order to breach assets between blockchains and uh, yeah it's been very difficult and by far we don't have any unified standard for cross-chain interoperability and that's what we actually are trying to solve here um solve liquidity fragmentation like technology fragmentation and uh, it's like fragmentation of the entire ecosystem and uh, we'll see how how the future will be but i feel like that in the nearest future next year already we will have so many cross-chain applications and projects uh, which will start to quickly evolve and I'm more excited like about compatibility of the protocols, so that protocols in one blockchain can be plugged in or can communicate with the protocols from other
0: blockchain ecosystems. So uh I want to describe most bridges today, um or at least <laughs> up till today. And I would then like to know how you differentiate from that. And it's mostly um we'll go from chain A to chain B. We're not going to care what what which chains which they are for now. And it is, there's a smart contract on chain A or an address. And I push money into that from chain A. There is infrastructure somewhere in the middle that monitors the smart contract that holds the keys associated with doing things with that pool of money that sees it, verifies that I sent money to it, and then on chain B, mince new tokens. when then gives them to me on that token, on, on, that, on that chain. I want to go back, I then send back to that bridge. It destroys those tokens, maybe. And then re- gives them back to me on chain A. Um, the infrastructure is in between that's doing that monitoring is usually controlled by a multi-sig of multiple keys that have to agree on these things that distributes the trust in a myriad of ways, right? So like the trustiness of that bridge is basically how many people are watching and verifying this particular thing or what cryptography is used. Like if you think about like Intel SGX in the form of, of Avalanche's Avalanche's bridge, mm-hmm. it, it distributes that trust through a bunch of uh, Intel SGX parties and keys in them. What are you doing different?
3: Uh you described pretty well the one of the possible approaches on how bridges can can be built and uh, we are actually working in the same manner but the infrastructure layer uh, is designed differently so dbridge protocol uh, is represented by two layers there is a protocol layer which is the set of smart contracts in every blockchain that we support and there is infrastructure layer, which is represented by the set of validators who are elected by de governance. The main difference between multi and validators is that in our case, validators are, are financially liable for the service that they provide because we have staking and de- delegated staking and slashing mechanics. So for example, if some validator censors some transactions or if he validates some fake transaction, and somebody has financial loss due to validators misbehavior he will be compensated from the amount slashed from validators and uh, the protocol itself take the small fee from which transfer which is 10 uh, base points like 0.1 percent and half of all fees goes to validators and those who delegate liquidity for them and by this design we have a closed loop economy because the more liquidity is passing through the protocol the more users will delegate liquidity for validators in order to participate in reward sharing. And uh, yeah, the, the more liquidity will be in place, the more TVL, the more collateral of the protocol we will have. And uh, as a collateral, several assets can be staked. So it's, it's not like our own token because we don't have token right now, but it will be USDT and ETH. Uh, those assets that can be staked for validators and for example if something goes wrong with the token price the collateral of validators will be still the same since we have like stablecoin component as usdt and we have eth as the most liquid asset and uh, potentially when we will have our own token governance token in place and when we will pass control over the protocol to governance i believe that governance will add like our asset or the third asset that can be staked for validators. And that's quite a unique approach, I think, because most like proof of stake algorithms assume that you stake the main native asset of the protocol, right? In our case, we allow to stake different assets. And moreover, we have quite unique design because the asset that you stake for validator, you can also supply it to other DeFi strategies and protocols that are whitelisted by governance. So let's say you already farm or supply liquidity into Aave, and you get some APY from Aave. But now you can supply liquidity into Aave through Debreach, through Delegated staking Smart Contract. And on top of Aave APY, you will also receive the Debreach Validators APY. that's actually a good diga- example
0: of compatibility of
3: protocols as well. That's a
0: definitely a, a a a additional feature for doing bridge validation that I don't think I'm aware of existing anywhere else is participating in other DeFi protocol, like providing liquidity for other DeFi protocols. My next question, well, there's two, I guess, that I have directly from what you just said, is half of the fees go to validators. Where are the other half going?
3: another half goes to protocol treasury
0: and that's just a discretionary fund for development of the underlying protocol and paying people who work on it
3: exactly yes we don't have any kind of reward distribution it just goes directly to treasury and governance will decide on how to use those funds i guess there will be insurance uh for like additional um safety of the protocol and the power of funds can go to ecosystem development, potentially in the long term, it might be used in order to merge and acquire other protocols and projects. But yeah, it will be up to guardians to decide on how the treasure part should be.
0: Used. The next question is is uh, somewhat of a more complicated one. Uh, if I'm refining a bridge between chain A and chain B, um, I'm like, if I'm running that infrastructure, I need to know what's happening on chain A and chain B at all times, meaning that I need to run full nodes on those things, which can get pretty costly in terms of computational resources. I at least need to do those two things. Then I need to run whatever work of the underlying infrastructure for dealing with bridging. What does that look like? How how have you seen that grow and... Like what's the what's the on ramping cost for doing that, and that's going to be differentiated across the various chains that you allow within the network.
3: That's actually a good question. And uh, for most bridges, the most like the biggest cost is not the infrastructure, but validation of cross chain transactions, because many bridges are designed in the way when validators need to broadcast transaction in the target chain to have it approved. Uh DBridge has a different design. Uh, all our validators are obliged to run a full node of every blockchain because they need to track events emitted by the smart contract. That's why all validators run their own infrastructure. I wouldn't say that it's like super expensive. Uh, it's just like running a full node and it can be on different uh, servers. And yeah, there are many options here, but we are working with uh, professional validators and professional infrastructure providers and uh, they know how to do that in a really effective way and for us the most important part the fault tolerance of the protocol they just need to be sure that all nodes are constantly synced and uh, on top of node of each blockchain there is a debridge node which is quite lightweight it just tracks events in one blockchain then once transaction uh, initiated by the user once transaction achieved its finality, every validator signs that signs unique transaction identifier with its private key, and the signature is stored into IPFS. And in Breach validators do not need to broadcast any transactions. They do not depend; they are not dependent on the performance or uptime of any blockchain because all all, all signatures go directly to IPFS. And when user wants to trigger, like to execute transaction in the target chain, he just retrieves signatures from IPFS and pass them to smart contract. And if two-thirds of signatures are valid, then transaction is executed. And that's really good design actually, because it allows to have unlimited throughput, which is more, much, way more than throughput of any blockchain that is supported by dBridge. So, off-chain validation is actually a cool feature, and uh, I'm really happy about the design we got by far.
0: I've had some sketchy retrievability from IPFS in the past. How are you? How are you getting um, uploaded files on IPFS quality times for retrievability, or even like guaranteeing that they're going to stick around? Because like, IPFS has no incentivization for keeping things around. Do you need to? And if so, are you doing it? Yes, of course. Uh, IPFS itself
3: does not guarantee that the data is persistent, right? Um, for storing of data, we use OrbitDB, which is like database built on top mm-hmm. of IPFS. And in order to make all databases persistent, we have a pinners. So Pinner is basically like server that pins all databases, of all validators. And uh, the address, the hash of all OrbitDB databases for validators are public. So anyone can launch a Pinner and pin databases of validators. And actually the data are distributed almost instantly in case you have your you have address of the validator added to your bootstrap list to list of your bootstrap nodes.
1: interesting
3: okay wait
1: so if i could like uh lame that up a little like ipfs is working as kind of like an anchor and then you've got these orbit you call it orbit dbd's databases that are providing more like real-time information that they're pulling from ipfs is that kind of what i'm thinking about
3: yeah OrbitDB is like solution to store data in a more effective way so that you don't like access it like a file but you more access it like a regular database but this database is like decentralized and uh, all data stored there are publicly available and if you want to have access to this data you just add the address of OrbitDB to your pinner and you'll be able to like retrieve whole new recourse in almost in real time. It's
1: like very nice. very quick. So, that's uh that's that's neat. So finesse. I like it, Alex. How do you? Um, so I got a question. Who, who are the validators? How many of them are there, and how they get to that point?
3: Yeah, uh, good question. So we the initial set of validators is assigned by our team by foundation because we don't have governance yet. We don't have token. We just need to bootstrap the protocol. That's why we strive to work with validators who have name and a good reputation in the industry. And by far we got 11, uh, 13 actually. I just checked in our Explorer on our website. We have like this special tab, validators tab, and we have 13 validators like anchor beware ever stake we have our own node as well just one node Breach. we also have hash mgnr stake staked staking so yeah those are entities specialized on in infrastructure provision and they also validators in many other blockchain protocols and we we strive to be tra- very transparent so basically in our explorer we show like the performance and stats of all the validators and i think once we have governance it will be even more important because governance will rotate validators based on their performance we really strive to differentiate the governance layer and validators layer because validators are working for governance and uh, they should not influence governance decision Mm -hmm. i believe and in case something wrong with validator or in case his collateral is too low, validator can be easily replaced by governance by another candidate. Mm. And yeah, we start from uh, thirteen. Uh, I think in mainnet we have will have eleven, but that's just to bootstrap the protocol. Uh, later on, we plan to add more validators and to scale up infrastructure and like support more chains and add more validators as well. Mm.
1: Nice. I'm looking at your validators
0: tab and it's it's everything's on testing right now correct?
3: Yes right now everything is on testnet and we released our second version of testnet at the beginning of November we got some really good traction that to be honest exceeded my expectations so we got almost 29,000 of unique users and 128,000 of cross-chain transactions so those are real transactions that like processed by the protocol and yeah anyone can try it, try it out and uh, send some transaction right now we support five event chains uh, including layer twos like ethereum binance smart chain hobby Echo chain polygon and arbitrum but eventually we plan to interconnect all blockchain ecosystems we actively work on solana and uh, solana will be the first non-event blockchain that we support and uh, yeah we also receive grants from solana and
0: polygon ecosystems of course. <laughs> nice. grants are getting thrown <laughs> out everywhere these days yeah. so like how uh, how how the hell are you running a bsc node
3: in the test net is quite straightforward okay because so the mainnet is not so straightforward <laughs> yeah it's more a pain for validators you know and they have to figure out how to run it and probably you saw that github issue where everyone mm-hmm. were discussing like what's going on with buying smart chain why it's like why it's not so transparent where there are so many issues but yeah it's still there are some complications there for sure and um i think that the, the we have a need of like communication channel between validators of a binance marching so that they can share their expertise and like what kind of hardware should everyone have in order to achieve good level of fault tolerance for instance
0: I, I see services like this as um providing a separate but additional community for hardening how to become a validator on, on various networks, right? So like someone who is a validator on your network is running multiple chains simultaneously um, to a to a certain threshold of quality. They have to be good enough, otherwise they're not gonna be able to support cross chain, like cross chain interaction. Um, I can see that rising the tide across the whole ecosystem of what it takes, what, what you, the quality of a given node Running validation services, and maybe one benefit of one network starting to bleed into another because hey, they do it over here this way; it works really well. Let's do it over here too. Have you like? Mm -hmm. Are you able to like
1: see any of that?
0: Yeah, see any of that from like the the validation pools that you're you're cultivating here? Um, I think in case
3: there is any problem. Hi,
1: Jesse. (laughs) What's up, Jess? Yo, what's up? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jesse, meet Alex. Alex, meet Jesse. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> <laughs> nice
2: to meet you. I like your background. Oh, thanks, dude. I like food. That's
1: an NFT. Do you want it? Alex is for sale actually for 500,000 ETH. <laughs> <laughs>
2: is it? Is it listed? on dope
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think Banksy kissed it, though. So it's it's hosted no. not on aws <laughs> no I'm kidding i don't know anything about it jesse jesse knows about it though um sorry Corey. what was your question because that's jesse came in here like the cool derailed life. it I'll, I'll repeat it for jesse uh like
0: since since like people within your network are running multiple validators have you seen uh kind of like a this this slow emergent process of best practices in validation across different nodes.
3: Yeah, I, I can see. I can say that in general, I see that some validators are performing better. Some validators are not do not care that much about infrastructure. We just have certain like. Uh, process on how validators get from testnet to mainnet and uh, in mainnet like any failure of validator, validator will lead to slashing. So I guess mm-hmm. validators so like, will be more responsible, you know. What happens if a chain be... goes
0: down, right? Like if if, if if one of the main net chains goes down and it's not a validation problem, or like there's some bug well, that affects only a certain amount of validators, how does that impact the economics of your network and their ability to perform cross-transactions on it?
3: So, debridge does not depend on any blockchain since we have off chain validation, signatures are stored in IPFS. So, if in case some blockchain uh, goes offline entirely, we can't influence that. So, it's like the problem of specific blockchain, the problem of users who decided to move liquidity into that uh, blockchain ecosystem. Because when you bridge liquidity to some blockchain, you actually take the risk of consensus algorithm of the code base of the ecosystem in general, right? And in case the blockchain went offline uh, and the validators like do not have anything to do with that. I mean it's 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 not because of validator, but it, because of the blockchain node design. Then we don't slash validators, of course. It's just like the matter of figuring out like what happened. How we can get the blockchain back online, etc. But in case blockchain went offline because, like, validator did not spend time to update his, like, Open Ethereum client to a new version, then it's a fault of validator. And if validator is not able to fix the problem quickly, like within 12, 24 hours, then I think that slashing will be reasonable in this case. But governance will decide, each specific case. Uh I mean if several validators will go offline, it won't influence the performance of the protocol. But in case like one third of validators will go offline simultaneously, that can be a problem. And if some users had their transaction stuck due to validators failure, he'll be compensated from the amount slashed. That's
0: so I'm saying like there's like it looks like three of Their 13 validators are are like significantly behind um, in their ability to perform their network. So like they may be getting slashed, but the actual end user experience from a like a user isn't hindered because the other ones can pick that up. Is that right? Exactly. So um,
3: in general, like speed of transaction uh, of cross chain transaction depends only on finality. Of the transaction, in the chain where it's originated. The longest transaction are those that are initiated in Ethereum because we need to wait for like eleven block confirmations. But once we have finality, then transaction can be instantly processed, processed in the target blockchain. Um, yeah, but if there is a problem with validation layer here, and the user cannot like accomplish his transaction within like five minutes term then he can apply for compensation i think because in this case there the was a problem with infrastructure layer, and uh, because we care a lot about delivery of the messages you know one case when you just bridge liquidity but there can be like more sophisticated scenarios when for example i breach price feeds from solana to um let's say polygon and then solana finality is like Half a second, right? And uh, if I breach some price feeds, I want to have it like in a really quick manner in another chain. And if something went wrong and our validators can't validate transaction, then this price feed is not delivered that can lead to like, I don't know like millions of dollars liquidation in some protocol. And uh, of course, it's it's very serious. Like infrastructure should be very stable. the downtime, there shouldn't be any downtime, actually. In case there is some problem, it should be like the minimal. Uh, the pause, pauses should be minimal, and uh, it, it shouldn't be due to validators. And uh, getting back to the process of validators onboarding, we have a several structure. Um, first of all, we connect validator without whitelisting public addresses, so it's like signaling uh, validation. We just measure performance of every validator average delay number of missed transaction and uh, if before performance is really good good enough and satisfy our expectation then we add validators public address to the smart contract since then it starts to be like active validator of the ecosystem and uh, if he performs well within like one month in testnet then validator can be nominated as an active delegate, as an active validator in the mainnet. And uh, governance will see his performance, his like signaling performance and the real performance in testnet and vote based on that. So it's like the entire onboarding process, you know, though right now we're like onboarding validators to bootstrap the protocol, you'll have quite strict criter- criteria on who can join the
1: infrastructure. Nice let's reel it back a little bit we've been in the weeds you know we're we're mucking about in the weeds you know plucking the ones we don't want sprucing the ones we like let's get let's reel it all back so you alex you're a co-founder so you have another co-founder what sparked the idea you're sitting around not drinking smearing off because i know you don't like vodka but you're drinking a cab Right. And you're like, we need to make the bridge. I'm going to keep with the Jamaican accent because I'm just going to keep it going. We're going to make it. Why? What sparked you guys to have that idea? Because you were yeah, toiling around intention. in crypto for a while. It had to be like, you know, good night, good Friday night. And you're like, fuck it, we're going to do it.
3: Yeah, I and, co- and my co-founder, Yaroslav, we were running Phenom, the blockchain development agency. And... Uh, we developed various blockchain-connected solutions and decentralized applications. We won many hackathons, and like bridge started from the hackathon as well. But last year, we were involved in a cross-chain arbitrage and like yield farming strategies. And we had many situations when our funds got stuck in bridges or got frozen by exchanges with different requests for like proof of source of funds, etc. Because exchanges do not like when you do frequent deposits and withdrawals. Like arbitrage is their market and they do not encourage when you're trying to do the same thing, you know. And at some point, like we decided we need to solve this problem in a truly decentralized way. We need to develop like the fully trustless protocol that we will allow to perform cross-chain transfers of liquidity. And uh, we had this idea in mind for quite some time, even though we were like busy with
1: developing and like digging farming
3: and other stuff. At the beginning of this year
1: we... <laughs> fully degenerate go ahead, go ahead.
3: <laughs> yeah at the beginning of this year we found out about the channeling global hackathon and we like to have fun you know we like to build and we decided to sign up for the hackathon and it was like it was quite challenging because like more than 150 teams participate all over the world and surprisingly we won the hackathon we got the grand prize in the first place and um, we got an MVP that we built like within several weeks. And uh, after winning the challenge hackathon, we got so many requests from like VCs and partners, like ecosystem that we realized that Debridge is getting like very serious. And we just switched entire focus to Debridge. And since March, we are like building 24 seven in order to deliver the cross-chain interoperability protocol Should be used hopefully by many developers and projects that want to go cross-chain. And yeah, that's how we came up with the idea. I can also share some insights on our progress by far. So we did a fundraising. We raised like 5.5 million dollars round from some really exceptional partners. That's what. But Parafi, thanks, and with many more good partners on board like Cryptocom, Hobby Ventures, Cap, and Mgnr, and yeah, we get like more than 35 investors on board. And uh, yeah, now we are actively pushing everything toward the main launch, but the main focus has been security, of course, especially taking into account all those cross-chain hacks. And um, yeah, we pay a lot of attention to security. Like we have two security OD partners, Halbor and Sokyo. You'll be listed at Immunify, bug bounty platform, and um, security has been the main priority, and we are like very paranoid about it. We don't want to rough things, and that's why we are, we are not live on the mainnet yet. We want to get to 11 when we are super comfortable, when we understand that infrastructure is reliable, and um, we want to deliver really great experience for users
1: and protocols. I like it. I like that you D gen to D bridge. That should be like your yeah. slogan. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. How you like your origin story? Yeah. Like the yeah. start yeah.
3: of your origin how, story? How, how
1: Let me know if you need yeah. a jingle. I make those. <laughs> you know, I'll get you set up. You know, I I like that you're being you've built as long as you have in this space and you seem like such have such a bright demeanor. Because damn, the space is like <laughs> it moves so fast. It's like one year in crypto is like four years in regular. And, you know, I mean, my hat's off to you. So what are so an- another thing? Another let's get some more feel good up, up in the ether. You know, what metric do you measure? That you're most proud that you've crossed, right? What makes it do you measure? Maybe it doesn't have to be like an internal measurement, but like something that you know your team looks at and the people that are using the D-Bridge look at um, and the one that you're proud of, something that you crossed.
3: You mean metric of the protocol?
1: Sure, like whether it's total value locked, whether it's, I don't know, transactions per it's second. Zero I don't now. know, it's, it's
0: on TestNets yeah you know.
1: so. uh, Well, yeah, you know, they're not live yet. Number of validators. Number of you know, so there's gotta be something where you're like, Yeah, man, we're really kicking ass. Like, what number is that?
3: I would say that like we exceeded 10,0 000 of cross-chain transactions that passed through the protocol, even though it's some testnet, but that's the metric we're really proud of because like we see real users and those not like users who expect retroactive airdrop. We just like analyze also the traffic on the website in the cloud player, and we see that it's like Is the demand is growing and uh, those like 28,000 users who interacted with the protocol, those are real. Like it's not like boats or scripts who just like just sending transactions, but those are users who interacted through the web. And we like one day, it was really surprising because like initially one week after the launch, we have only 3,000 unique users. And uh, I participated in the Solana Breakpoint conference in Lisbon and i had like a presentation a panel session about the bridges and right after the panel session we got like twelve thousand unique users within 24 hours Dang. and that was really exciting like i woke up and like Yaroslav, our city always saying like oh god since we we have ddos attack on the protocol like, let's <laughs> see what's going on here real one and yeah. we started i even tweeted like that we have a ddos but then we started to analyze the web traffic and, like, requests to Infura, and we got that those are, like, real users. And that was quite exciting moment because we saw that, like, users are getting in and uh, we are gathering some good feedback, feedback in Discord and Telegram channels. And, yeah, it's, like, I'm super excited. And one of the latest uh, mm-hmm. events that happened, like, yesterday the professor from my university that like taught me eight years ago he texted me on facebook and saying like look i i tested i tested out your protocol and like i'm an active community member on discord <laughs> like, can, <laughs> That's awesome. can, and he asked yeah. me like to do elections uh, for students university <laughs> so yeah it was super cool you know because like even professor from your university like somehow tried your protocol like found out about the protocol and uh,
1: that's super cool nice man congratulations did you tell him uh, the student becomes the teacher <laughs> you know what she said <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I,
3: I didn't tell that but yeah i can teach like DeFi, but i'm not good as a teacher yeah. um, she said, i don't want do like to wait
1: twice i'd yeah. like a rebate on my tuition sir like <laughs> Your, your <laughs> teaching's paid off. I'd like my money back. No. <laughs> well, Jesse, you got anything you want to throw?
2: Um, no, I think I came in at the tail end. And some, of the, some of those questions are pretty good.
1: Oh, you got something you want to throw at them.
2: Oh, yeah. So <laughs> is what you do actually difficult? And that can be interpreted any way that you want it to be.
3: Uh, yeah, I can say that building of bridges is truly difficult. Because there are many components involved, like you depend on the security of blockchain protocols, you depend on security of infrastructure, and uh, there are many things that, like the puzzle, is so complicated, and you need to assemble it in the best manner. And um, in general, like building in crypto is very complicated because it's a matter of security. If you're building a DeFi protocol, you need to have, you need to keep in mind that, like potentially, there can be like of millions of dollars or hundreds that are locked as a tvl in your protocol and like you have bad nights you know you're thinking about it you need to find good security auditors that is quite difficult because like all good companies are like in big demand and everyone is overwhelmed in industry and yeah things are getting complicated it's just you need to like steadily step by step move toward your goal and take into account many aspects and uh, and
1: luck is quite important here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like the realness of it. A lot of luck. Is it like, uh, is it building a puzzle where the puzzle piece changes shape, orientation, and maybe color randomly? Ex- exactly. Yeah. Awesome. And, so uh, impossible. Then. You need to assemble. <laughs> you need to find
3: those pieces and like different. When you put one in wrong moment. and it changes. Some of some of is a million dollars.
1: <laughs> oh oh, so the world's hardest puzzle of all time is that? Is? yeah, this puzzle might be super expensive yeah. actually I, like that. <laughs> <It's super> expensive. <laughs> I like, your answer to Jesse could have just been yes, absolutely you know, you, you could, uh, um I guess uh we'll also wrap it up with our other um trademark question here and uh we'll we'll throw a curveball in ten words or less. can you describe mm-hmm. interoperability?
3: um sure interoperability is a great user experience i would say okay um, <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> here's the box okay.
1: alex is out here <laughs> outside of the box okay i
3: like it. i can elaborate actually but yeah it's all about user experience because users do not need to care about like how technology is working they just need to go to their wallet or to like website aggregator and perform the cross-chain action they they want to be to have like when we are using internet we don't care how tcp is working when we have cross chain interoperability mm-hmm. we don't need to care how bridges are working right that's what we are trying to achieve at least all
1: right Corey, what about yours i don't have one <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm gonna ask Corey's trademark question: Is there anything that you oh, that we didn't realize that was my question that we did? You made it, it was yeah. a good question. You were proud it about it. Okay. It was a whole thing. Is there is <laughs> there anything that you <laughs> hoped that we would have asked that we did? not Is it question already? Or I, I think it's, it's, it's a it's a question. It's like you know maybe you were like, man, I really hope they ask me about this so I can knock this question on the ballpark, and we just didn't ask you. Or are you good, you you know, are you good to go with this interview?
0: Mm,
3: I I
2: don't know. Like you can ask anything.
1: Okay. Well, (laughs) I actually have another
0: question just to wrap it up. Uh,
2: Yeah, I actually have another question. Uh, There we go.
0: It it, it came from, (laughs) it came from the interviews going a little bit longer. Uh, So you're collecting a bunch of data. And you're looking at the traffic from a bunch of different blockchains, and you're seeing—I would imagine—you're seeing a lot of trends. What type of trends are you seeing, and how are you monitoring this traffic? And what do you plan to do with it? Is this a, like this is a completely different type of information that's difficult to obtain unless you're doing a service like yours? Have you thought about that at all?
3: Um, I think the main trend here is that we are getting more and more blockchains and layer twos, and we will have even more in the nearest future. And uh, I personally think that we need to have a freedom. We need to give freedom to users and protocols to move between those blockchains. So it's like, just imagine that, like we we live a world with many countries, right? So blockchain world and blockchains is like countries. And uh, our goal here is to like build infrastructure and bridges between those countries so that users and protocols can travel without pass without passports or maybe without visas with the minimal bureaucracy and uh, yeah we provide a framework and uh, we want users to be able to easily pick the place where they want to live and uh, yeah that like that's the main trend We'll be getting more layer twos. Like there is a Neon, which is a layer two on Solana. There is uh, Aurora, layer two on, on and uh, There will be more, but it's really exciting because ecosystems are evolving so fast. And uh, I guess there will be many options for users and protocols to decide mm-hmm. in what ecosystem should be used. Hmm.
2: I think Alex. my question is, uh, it might open a bottle or open a can of more questions, but like if you if you can kind of condense like your answer is like what is where's the where's the line delineating over engineering for what you're trying to build? Like where you sacrifice a little bit of the ideals in uh, for the like at the expense of a better user experience.
3: What would I sacrifice?
2: Yeah. Mm,
3: in regards to technology of I in, or I guess yeah
2: yeah I guess in in regards to the product that you're developing like um you know how like different chains you know they sacrifice you know centralization for uh or decentralization for speed in some cases they make trade-offs right like so what trade-offs you know do you make are you willing to make like for debridge at the sake of like you know getting mass user adoption having a really good user experience i
3: think i think we found a perfect balance actually there is like a good uh, article
2: Mm. which
3: is called interoperability Trilemma," which was developed by guys from connext and uh, like bridges need to find the balance between like security decentralization and like finality and it's quite complicated because you need to sacrifice something. I think in Debridge we managed to find some like perfect balance because it's fully trustless, fully uh, decentralized, but the pro- the protocol is insured. And even if you have like if the collateral of the protocol of validators, will will not be big enough, it will be able to influence on that will be able to, for example, implement liquidity incentives, so that more users will stake for validators, and um, collateral will be highly correlated with the TBL. I don't think Mm -hmm. we sacrificed anything. We never sacrifice security. But we try to have like the best user experience. Um, Yeah, that's the point.
1: Cool. All right. Well, Alex, thank you very much for your time. Um, And, you know, thank you for coming on the Bitcoin podcast, man. We appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you
3: for inviting me. Really great to meet you guys and uh, excited to be here. And, uh, yeah, let's let's keep in touch. And uh, thank you so much.
1: Oh, I got a commercial idea for you, Alex. Here it is. It's really funny. You should possibly... Uh, let me, um, do it right as like two guys are standing on a shore, right? Or not a shore, but a cliff. And like one guy, he's like, I am over here, but I want to be over there. And then the guy taps on his shoulder and the camera pans over and there's a bridge. And he says, you need to use the bridge. (laughs) And that's it. That's the whole commercial. It's so good. It's so memorable. (laughs) Right, oh you get gosh. two guys that are kind of memorable face, like uh like the Sonic commercial guys, right? Everybody remembers those guys, they'd have those silly conversations in the car while they ate Sonic food, and it's be like, I am over here, but I want to be over there. I think tap shoulder, use the bridge. It's good, you know it's good, Jay. You know it's good because I see <laughs> the one who's trying to, like, you're trying to pitch it to, but they're not listening to this, so <laughs> so. Guys, usually we go into talking about some things. You know, we have loose topics in, around Bitcoin, around Ethereum, around NFTs, around banks and governments and countries and stuff. But what we want to talk about is something that we don't usually do. Sometimes, we're usually too bashful or modest to talk about the things that we do, Jesse. Mm-hmm. You want you want to talk about it? I'll let you talk about it an update, Corey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll talk about it. So uh, we finally have like most podcasters they're usually like hey buy our products like you know we sell excel spreadsheets you know you can you know subscribe to the excel spreadsheets or like hey do you want financial advice you should come to our things you know but you know we're not like that but we did start something recently that we're very excited about and that is a dow hit the applause button Applause. Sorry, we don't have we don't have special. What happened to your right soundboard? I can't get it to work, bro. Oh. Well, it's not that I can't get it to work. I'm too lazy to like I it's it, I'm an out of sight, out of mind kind of person. And since it says just in my peripheral here, I don't really see it. So it's never in my mind. Uh it's tangently in my mind. It's peripherally in my mind. But anyways, so we have a Dow, right? Dad Dow. It's called the Dad DAO because we're dads. Well, Jesse's not a dad, but Corey's a dad. I'm kind of an epil facto dad, Um, you know, maybe some illegitimate Roman, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a father, but dads are cool, right? Because, you know, dads like they guide you through things. They try to prepare you for life. They try to prepare you for getting up off the ground, taking on this thing called life. And we're thinking, like, what can we do as a project in crypto that? adds value to all of crypto and also adds value to our community and stays on line stays in line with you know who our community is and our community is mostly like you know intermediate to senior level devs they've been on the planet for a little while they got little youngsters running around and what feels good about being a dad or dadding is like knowing that you're preparing the youngsters for what's to come so what we built or are building is a decentralized incubator right called the dad down right And you get Dad Token. Dad Token pays the projects. The projects work hard. And this is all centered on Algorand. Why Algorand? Well, you got to join the Discord by going in the show notes to figure out why Algorand, right? So um, what it all boils down to is Jesse has a personal story about why the dad-dow aligns with what he's doing in his vida. So, Jess, why don't you share that? Uh,
2: um. Yeah, I wanted to build a a health step. But then I realized like I was missing a lot of different pieces of information. And I'm, I am a newbie dev at best. And so when I was looking for resources, you know, to, you know, create an NFT project, there's so many resources on Solana. And, you know, I went in that direction. And I, I found out that if, you know, you're minting lots and lots of NFTs, then it's going to be lots and lots of money, like thousands of dollars. So I, I realized that there had to be a better way, you know, a better way for like everything, right? And so the dad Dow came about as a result that I was looking for like an environment to learn in, uh, an environment to team up with people, an environment to maybe get like early project funding. Um, so like, it just made sense to kind of build out this framework, especially with the people that we've talked to in the past who you know everybody wants to build cool shit in this space so i just think that like the dad dow could be that place where we all come together and hang out and actually build stuff you know the podcast community in slack we we talk about things everybody exchanges information all the time but i think having like a separate build place like a you know basically like a maker space with you know with funding social network you know financial weight behind it i think that that Will go further in actually building projects. So, yeah.
1: absolutely. You know, we've got this incredibly skilled and friendly and open community that we've built over years now for the Bitcoin podcast or TBPN if you want to be short and awesome about it. And um, we want to, did you hear that? Did mm-hmm. you hear that noise?
2: Yeah, maybe Corey's in the hangout or in the back, back room.
1: Corey, are you there? No, he's not. Okay. So uh, he's not. I'm looking. He's not back here. Okay. That was a you've got an appointment. You should be getting to Google Calendar ding. But anyways, nice cup, bro. What does all that mean? No clue, but it looks cool, huh? Oh, man. I'm surprised they would put that on a cup. No clue, but it looks cool. Right. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> oh, Biden says have a little cup of the cozy. Oh,
2: that's nice. Yeah, that's cozy.
1: Yeah, it's very, uh, it's, it's me, you yeah, know, like to be cozy, I like to be comfortable. So what we thought is with all of the amazing people, the openness and the skill sets and all the above, uh, why not have a DAO that could add value to the people in the community and add value to right now Algorand, right? So if you'd like to see the roadmap, if you'd like to see what we're toiling away with, if you want to be a part of the conversations as we build this dad DAO, and especially if you want to be a meme warrior, right? Uh, you can understand the structure and please join the Slack or join the Discord link, um, you know, so that you can be a part of that conversation. Uh, you know, the more that you contribute to the DAO, the more you stand to get in return from the DAO. So, like anything in life, Jess, you only get what you put out. Right. Put in. Put in. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you no, put no in. I agree.
2: So like, yeah, the, this DAO isn't like a like a DeFi pump and dump kind of rug thing. It's literally the only way we're going to make the DAO token, the dad DAO token valuable is by building projects that actually are usable. And somehow, you know, we'll figure out with the community, maybe we can create like a, NFTs that track activity and somehow. Um, you can donate a percentage of, you know, whatever your project is making back to the DAO, And so we're trying to path that out with the community. Like, how, how does everybody want to do things? Because in my mind, this whole thing runs itself. You know, I don't think I think the focus should be on building the projects, finding the people, building the projects. And you're Absolutely. just kind of doing it within like an automated infrastructure where, you know, you don't got to worry about overhead yeah. like human people. There's actually great.
1: some real problems that we're trying to solve as well. When we looked at the general space of distributed autonomous organizations known as DAOs, there's not a whole of them, there's not a whole lot of them that are, are distributed or autonomous. They are organized, which you could tell they're organized because they do things. There's results being pumped out, but are they really decentralized? Are they really autonomous? Or is there somebody behind it making sure that money goes where it's supposed to go? Right. So there's actually some heavy tech problems that we're trying to solve as well. If you're into that kind of thing, like how do you automate payments to a working group and also shoot them out back to a DAO? Right. Like that's that's a pretty good tech problem in my eyes. I don't know if it is in your eyes, Jess, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's a little tech problem in crypto. Right. So we hope that you come. We hope that you join and we hope that you get on board. So what we're going to move into right now is an it was is a review that we got fresh from the presses, baby. Here it comes Jesse. you ready for it? Okay. Trashy altcoiners. More talk about how bad Bitcoin is. Uh, absolutely. The people whom like it. Um, that doesn't make sense. Worthless podcast with no technical and irrelevant fundamental analysis from frustrated guys. So we should be talking more about the price. Right. So, here we, here you go. This is to satisfy you. Uh, it says via Apple Podcasts. No, no, no. This is Keish Klosh from the United States. This is to satisfy you. So, the current price of Bitcoin is about 57000 per Bitcoin. We've got current price that did about $4,500. I think the price is going to go down two days from when this is records. So, there's some fundamental analysis for you. So, um, also... Look no, about the stars. Analysis, no, it's definitely fundamental. <laughs> what kind of fundamentals do you want, bro? Like, yeah, yeah honestly, what? I
2: don't I don't get that. Like, there's no such thing as like like yes, there's Bitcoin maximalism, but like yeah. that I guess, I guess we're see, that's the whole point. Like, the name of the podcast is kind of a little bit misleading in terms of like where we it want it used to be. Okay, yeah. So, like now, because Bitcoin doesn't really do <laughs> cool shit we talk about cool shit because you can actually
1: do things on cool shit yeah so here's some fundamental analysis for you the demand for bitcoin has probably grown a little bit the supply is, is as we know capped uh which on the long tail of things the price should go up and the price is going in the direction we all um, think it should go because it's quote-unquote a deflationary asset right now so or sorry it will be deflationary right now it's still a little bit inflationary, but uh we got deflationary coming um more fundamentals uh tap roots live so people that can you know uh code uh you know it makes uh introduce a little snore action introduce some tap root action and we should get a little bit of defi going on with bitcoin but let me show you something I don't think that's going to end well. If you look at a lot of the DeFi projects in Ether, a whole, 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 whole lot of hacking going on. A whole lot of hacking. I'm not talking about cutting down trees, Jess. I'm talking mm-hmm. about people stealing money. And Bitcoin's pretty valuable. So if you want to throw your Bitcoin into a DeFi protocol and wish for the best,
2: then may hats up to you. I mean, that's what people do. They wrap their Bitcoin and throw it on Ethereum. So you're just saying if you want to build DeFi directly into Bitcoin, good luck?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. And then, like, even that is like... To me, that's so risky. It's like you wrap your Bitcoin, you throw it in some go some let's just call it ghost protocol. Then your wrap Bitcoin's gone. So then your real Bitcoin's gone. Hmm. That's yes, sad. <laughs> but, anyways, let's get off of that sad fundamental. Oh, the fundamentals of Ethereum still burning fees like it's going out of style. Uh, here's something, here's a pro tip for you all who actually want to use ether. You gotta do your transactions between two and three in the morning. Uh At least that in the States, it's like that. Do your transactions when time is...
2: You should give like the time zone because you're just saying 2 and 3 in the morning. Oh, yeah.
1: So we are UTC... Fuck. Minus 6. Just use the ethgasstation.com and then you can check out activity levels. ethgasstation.com will take you there. We're also UTC negative 6, so... Um, That'll also help you, but that's when you're going to get the cheapest transactions. I I witnessed six hundred dollars in savings. That's personally for myself yesterday. Fuck the oh, no,
2: EthGasStation.info.
1: I forgot. EthGasStation.info. Um, sponsored by uh Valvoline. <laughs> that would actually be an interesting sponsorship for them. It would be. Would it? Like, yeah. There's somebody in their marketing department needs to get on it. All right. So um, that's it. That's all the fundamental analysis we're doing. All right. Let's get into some a little bit of Bitcoin news. So AMC theaters have begun accepting Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and two other cryptos. And Dogecoin is next. So um, you know, it is really interesting that, you know, people oh, Corey, you came in on the wrong side of this conversation. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, man, we were just talking about all kinds of cool shit. You come in, we're talking about AMC accepting Bitcoin. Like, what kind of timing is that?
0: Uh, you didn't tell anybody when this is starting.
2: I I don't think you made it. Like, I literally
1: said the time. I'm gonna screenshot and put the time in here. Did you really? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh,
2: I missed it. Like, I was telling Corey, the only reason I know is because he told me in Discord.
1: Both
0: of you. you didn't use
1: I, you didn't use the production channel when we talk about production. Hold up, I'm gonna Hang come on, in here come on and on. I'm gonna show you exactly what it is when when I said it, and I'm gonna read it.
2: I feel this was
1: this was 3 p.m. Wednesday
2: in the production channel.
1: This is 3 p.m. Wednesday, December the first, 2021. Since Corey is ill, I have to go to the shop. Let's push to Friday morning, 9 a.m. Question What uh, channels Where this is in hashing it out? TBP in production. Okay, I don't know, I'm not in that. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah I am. and yeah, then you get are. the fuck. And then so Jesse goes, <laughs> I'm down, and I say, Petty, we're canceling today and pushing to Friday. Alicia, I says, just read that. Okay, yeah, when you tag me? Mm-hmm. 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 I said, All right, so, anyway. Okay. uh. Corey, we just spent about ten minutes talking about the Dad Dow, just educating people around what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how they can join. And then we talked about uh, this guy. We got a really bad review because this guy got mad. We don't talk about Bitcoin and fundamental analysis. Oh, that's too bad. So you're you're talking I talking about him. price of Bitcoin. Yeah. Dude, technical so,
0: analysis that doesn't work. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, we should
2: change.
1: Yeah. So I hope you're happy, koshlosh from the United States. So. You know, just stop listening and tell your friends not to listen. We don't give a shit. All right, so move on to the next <laughs> thing. Uh, just a little quick n- news for you, newsy types. AMC is accepting accepting crypto, probably in select theaters or theaters that choose to participate. It's really strange. Still, we're we're talking about nine years later. Some from Bitcoin being invented, and then like. You know, I've been trying to pay people in crypto and it's still difficult. Like, I tried to pay someone 10% more than they invoiced me with just so I could pay in crypto. So I didn't have to liquidate anything and keep track of any bullshit. I just wanted to pay them in crypto and get the products that I wanted. We're talking, you know, four figures USD, not that much. Um, But the the dude was like, no, I'd rather take 10% less month, less value, and just pay me in dollars because, you know, that's what I want to do. And I was like, and I'm still, this is still going on, by the way, Corey Jess. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to pay you in dollars. I'm going to pay you in crypto because that's what we have as a business to give you. So if you either want these thousands of dollars or you don't want these thousands of dollars, and I'll find someone who does. And this this is going back and forth. It's actually stuff for the podcast. But, anyways, I didn't know that was still going this. on. The t huh? shirts, jerseys? Yeah, the merchandise that were. There. Yeah. Our merch. Our merch. Our merch. And, you know, Dylan, if you're listening, I don't sorry tell them, like hey I'm not going to pay him in dollars. That's that's just what that boils down to. So, you know, I'm put, I'm put I'm I'm putting my foot down, all right? It's 2021. Get with the program. All right? So, um of course we were just talking about uh, taproot um that's the other little snippet we have here, so that's that's, that's about it. So, um Okay. Let's, let's keep it moving. Corey, do you have anything to say about the servers that you're fixing behind you? That every week, and I, I applaud you, sir. Every week, you're like, you've broken down something, and you're building something else. What's what, what's up with you, man?
0: Uh, I closed on a house. Oh, I didn't close. I got my, an offer accepted on a house. You're beaming. Huh?
1: You're beaming, you're beaming bro. <laughs> beaming. This house, yeah. is, house is pretty sick. Yeah
0: and um now i have to get this house ready which means you won't be seeing that anymore it's going to be like show ready So like all the like if you, if you could look this direction and this room it's nothing but computer parts it's like like all okay. my computer parts uh, so
1: you're that dude in ghostbusters that was always doing shelves shit. of computer parts I'm. I'm that. definitely building. Like, Bill like when you're
0: watching the shows yeah. and you see like you know like the computer guys and they have this like racks of things. Yeah, not yeah. Not that it's just yeah. it's a hodgepodge of stuff. Nice.
2: Can't,
0: that's that's not going to work for showing sure a So how are you going to move all
2: your stuff from there? I'm like building for a I think a I'm going to gather up there.
0: about ninety-five percent of this stuff and donate yeah. it to the local hackerspace. Uh um, things that I don't use directly because a lot of the stuff was like planned parts for creating um, like reusing old laptops to create HTPCs the custom HTPCs for people mm-hmm. things like that um, so I'll just I'll donate it all and then start fresh in the new place
1: if we look That's over true. there he's got racks of stuff he's like this is the bucket of accelerometers I've taken out of Fitbits there's definitely yeah. a lot of that this is the bucket of batteries this is the bucket <laughs> Do you you have those like real like
2: there's a bucket of batteries, one second should just pan it
1: over. You don't have a buckets of stuff. We don't need to get a glimpse of it. Look, is (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're like uh, Doc from back to the future. That
0: is the that is the finished product of me shucking a bunch of laptop batteries. Great Scott. Ah, that I will then turn into a large cell for recharging purposes.
1: Great Scott. No, I'm kidding. These are
0: the ones that have the residual charge that's sufficient for keeping. Interesting. Yeah, so I do a lot of weird stuff. But not going to sure. work for selling a house. So, so I have to now a, make it look like... Know,
1: make do nice. yeah. Here's a very interesting tweet. And this is from uh, Zusu. Who who's got the avalanche emblem up? Uh, but it, this is what I'm saying: is these cycles just repeat. Like this person who used to be well into Ethereum mm-hmm. has now abandoned it to work on, on a chain where he wants to do the things he wanted to do when he got in Ethereum. Which, by the way, was the same exact initiatives of why people abandon Bitcoin to go work in Ethereum because they want to build some stuff on the Bitcoin.
0: Here's the interesting difference. And at least in the way it is right now with like just this one particular case of people moving from something like um, Ethereum to Avalanche Mm -hmm. is that it's the same thing that they're doing. It's just cheaper and faster from their perspective. It's the EVM. Mm -hmm. It's just run by a different consensus mechanism. And the EVM is not what Avalanche is good for that way. Like the consensus mechanism of Avalanche has to cripple itself in order to Facilitate the EVM. Mm. Uh, so what we're seeing is 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 that the people who are developing DApps or playing with DeFi don't care about any of that. I don't care. They just they want to use what's there or build using the tools that already exists and not develop new tooling or VMs or anything like that. So they can't do any of the other stuff that Avalanche is trying to do. Eventually, mm-hmm. they're just going to do the same thing using the same tools on Avalanche, and that's what you're seeing mm-hmm. from all of these layer twos, excluding maybe like. Uh, Solana and Algorand, right? they have their own programming. Mechanism. Wait, those
2: are those are not layer twos though.
0: No, they're not. But they're, they're also like they're layer ones, but they're, they're not EVM clones either.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? And so so
0: what well, we're going to, and so like while it is a similar thing, the reason mm-hmm. why it's happening here isn't because Ethereum can't do it. It's because Ethereum's too expensive. Yeah. The bucket is full. For Ethereum. And the goal right now for the Ethereum ecosystem is to expand the size of the bucket. I'm using that analogy because it works. Expand the size of the bucket through layer twos and changing from Ethereum one to Ethereum two with the data layer and things like that. And so in the meantime, all that spillover from it bucket being full and it not being able to handle the capacity is going to all these layer ones and Mm -hmm. layer twos, things like that. And what's What remains to be seen, and this is going to be, I think, like a turning point in the ecosystem as to whether or not Ethereum remains dominant in the smart contracting world, is when Ethereum 2 happens and these Layer 2s are established, when the conceptualized bucket of Ethereum is much, much, much larger and can handle that capacity, if all of these runoff chains, the chains that are holding runoff, all the people who are on those chains go back to Ethereum.
1: I don't if think they'll they go back. I don't
2: think they're going to go back.
0: Okay, then you have then you have two scenarios. One is Ethereum loses its its market share of the smart contracting and DeFi space.
2: I think that's going to happen.
0: Or the whole space expands and everyone wins.
1: Boom.
2: Yeah, That's that, what's going to happen. But 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 at, at, like it percentages of that pie, like if you go to coin market cap, right? It's going to be lower for, be like, for Ethereum.
0: What is the, the Pareto Distribution where it's like 80-20, like 80, 80% of everything is on Ethereum, and then it's a the long tail of everything else. I don't mm-hmm. think it's gonna be that much. Yeah. It's also hard to reason about So when you say Ethereum, that ecosystem, big E Ethereum, if you want to do the old Bitcoin thing, is Ethereum and its layer twos, whatever layer twos that are embedding its security inside of it, right? Mm-hmm. They I would consider Ethereum that whole thing. Rollups. Mm-hmm yeah uh all all the different stuff that's like using ethereum as like a data storage layer or a security layer for scalability solutions and that seems to be the 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 direction that ethereum is trying to go is the layer one is basically like arbitration and data layer anything that happens is happening on some layer two and more often than not never ever leaves the layer two yeah and so that's that's Mm. the ethereum ecosystem and right. so now what's competing with that is things like avalanche or solana yeah. or uh cosmos and things like that
1: well i mean competition is good and we've seen in, throughout history that if you can spur competition um and you can gamify the process of having a highly competitive highly competitive environment then you just get success right like that's like a it's like a you know so i don't want to say it's a law because i'm not a scientist but I will say that history has proven, in a highly competitive environment, you get badass shit, and you know, quote me. Well, on when that. you
0: have options to leave, mm-hmm. then competition is thriving, right? It's it's like when you have mm-hmm. a bunch of, of options to choose from, then you have a competitive market where people flow freely, and mm-hmm. with things like the recent interview we just did with was it D Bridge, mm-hmm. like. When you the boost the wheels of moving to moving from place to place and that, that becomes easier, then you have real competition because Absolutely. the barrier, of, like you don't get vendor lock-in nearly as easily. But mm-hmm. vendor lock-in and the future of blockchains is probably going to be something like composability. But if you break yeah. that and you have composability of cross-chains, you don't even have that anymore. There is no vendor lock-in. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, Corey, you missed, my, uh, you missed my commercial pitch to the bridge. Yeah. What's that? So like... It's two Ross guys. Safari. Guaranteed Rastafari. Well, yeah, it was that kind of accent. But it's two guys that have like a Rastafarian accent because it's the only one I can do. And like one guy, they're standing on a cliff and looking at an island. And they're like, and the first guy goes, I am over here, uh, but I want to be over there. And then the second guy taps him on the shoulder and then the camera pans to the right and there's a bridge. And the second guy says, use the bridge. And then just done. And <laughs> and that's it and then there's a bridge that's and then and then it says that's the bridge good. and that's it <laughs> like and then everybody in crypto is like use the bridge boom done that's that's done. A, It's a good commercial i would, It's a pretty I good commercial be, i
0: hope that they hear that and they use it and they give you money for it because that's a really good commercial
1: dude i have so many good jingles and commercial it's and like i miss call, my, you say
0: you're not a marketer
1: I miss my calling. I just don't know what to do with it. Like... The jingles.
0: The jingles of the old. Were yeah. So good. Every for those that haven't been watching this show for that long. Every time we had a sponsor when we used to have sponsors all the time, uh, we would make up a jingle. And that was part of the contract. It's like, we're going to make a jingle up and you get no say
1: in one point. Yeah. Um, those jingles got us fired. Yeah, well. for sure. It was that, was, that was, But like, it was, was really but, funny. It was Butcher Box. Yeah, it was. It's this is me. You can't beat. So... <laughs> I was also like, does your girl like the beat? Yeah. Well, you're in luck. And they did not like.
0: They were not a fan. Of my those commercials. Uh but it was worth it. Um, um by the way, butcher box is delicious.
1: Yeah, it was just good meat. Um,
0: uh, one of them was like,
1: we became
0: his market the our jingle was his marketing campaign literally
1: like that, that was remember. uh escrow your escrow your bits escrow my bits oh yeah it was escrow your it. shit, escrow, escrow, your sh- shit
0: and escrow my bits
1: escrow your shit with escrow escrow my bits yeah <laughs> was, but anyways let's let's keep it moving here so zuzu says uh yes i have abandoned ethereum despite supporting it in the past yes ethereum has abandoned its users despite supporting them in the past the, di- the idea of city. First of all, I want to commend you, Mr. No, C- so for this not being a 25 Twitter. Th- Look, guys, this is it's like we're peak humanity right now. I'm going to write my thesis on Twitter like Jesus. You better of, medium for that. I'm tired of reading it's, these. So damn-
0: I, I don't read threads. I just stop reading threads. This, I'm, it's I'm like, not on Twitter to read threads.
1: We know why you're doing it. You're trying to mess with your analytics so you get more numbers like we get it. Just 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 write it in a blog. That's well, where the people are. Link to the blog. Like, peel the people away from the audience. Anyways, the idea of sitting around jerking off watching the burn, and that's that's, that's bad phrasing. The idea of sitting around jerking off watching the burn and <laughs> concocting purity tests while zero newcomers can afford the chain is gross. All right? Usually so Layer 2. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You
0: can afford those. They're available now.
1: So this is, and there's good, there's more on-ramps going to Layer 2. Uh, for and for you, news in the audience, nothing that don't know what layer two is, get learnt. now. Now, so, um, my proposition to our community is this we start a subnet and we call it Sub Zero, oh. it's for sub zero penny fees, right? And then, uh, we just do another EVM but as a subnet on Avalanche, it's called Sub Zero Network, and <laughs> we win. We win the game, and the sub zero memes everywhere. Everybody knows sub zero for Mortal Kombat. Freeze it, work. freeze it, uppercut.
0: Would, that you would know? work. I don't know why people
2: would use it over the C chain, other than C chains. Cheaper, a lot. we're,
1: we're going to be cheaper than the C chain.
2: It's like the uh, it's like your layer two solutions for Ethereum. Yep. If the C chain gets too expensive, well, people will use subnets.
0: Yeah, that's, that's that's basically how what happened with XDAI. If you think about what XDAI is, yeah, it was basically a proof of authority network that. Tied its assets to the main chain, so you had a right. bridge between this very easy to build network, mm-hmm. so that the funds weren't made up, and then it became used significantly because fees got too high on the main chain. So like it's it's not a good network. The bridge is reasonable, but like proof mm-hmm. of authority is you're trusting a couple servers to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean that's that it was proof of authority click, click proof of authority mechanism was built. Um, in Geth as a method for doing private test nets and i've made private test nets, but you're just doing test net, right
2: mm.
0: um so like goarly the te- test net is mm-hmm. run by click proof authority so they just built one and then and then bridged assets to it and now it's xbat yeah and so like that works it's a model that works i think it's it's a stopgap solution for things it's nothing innovative it's just it's just all you're doing is putting a bucket where the overflow is for Ethereum or C-Chain or whatever. You're not doing anything new. And that's that's a viable business model
2: mm-hmm.
0: for sure. I'm just not too terribly interested in it. Sub-Zero wins. It's, a good, it's also very memeable.
1: Oh, yeah. I can see it now. Somebody take that, run with it. You're welcome. This is the kind of shit you're going to get from being a part of the dad dial. Just good ideas, guidance all day long. Hey, you know, what what we do. You know, get that. <laughs> oh, oh, I got a, I got a joke for you guys. Hold up, you're gonna love it. We can we
0: change the, um, what's his name? It's F K J and Masego. Yeah. The song Tadao. The
1: dadao. Yeah. I don't. Th- I think I'm we'd scared. get sued. <laughs> we have a loose connection to Masego, so maybe we can I, get away with it. We do have a loose connection to Masego. I think we can get away with it. Yeah, I think we, we can, can get we away can, with we it. We can make him. that bridge. We can. I like we, that song uh, a lot. I we, have a loose yeah. we have a loose connection to him, so maybe we can. Let's make that happen. Da, da, da. Yeah. So let me see here. I got a joke for you guys. Lance is an uncommon name nowadays, but in medieval times, people were called Lance a lot. Oh. Uh.
0: Dad
1: joke. Dad joke. I know. All right. So, um, let's let's get into some other weird news. So, in um, in Doctor Evil ask um, territory, this president of El Salvador is creating a Bitcoin like city at the bottom of a volcano. Um, the only thing I can say is there's a pretty colored history. Of what happened the last time a city was built at the very bottom of a volcano. You can go look Just, at it. shout out to Pompeii. Uh but nevertheless. What's going
2: on? What is it? He's getting he's getting a call.
1: Okay. Here I'm gonna do this. Bow. Um, so so <laughs> I love I love our show. Like, can you imagine if on like the daily show Trevor Noah uh-huh. was like, psych, hold up. I gotta take a phone call real quick. <laughs> stay, t- stay tuned. Let me take this phone call real quick. Um, but so he's building the city at the bottom of a volcano, and the volcano is powering Bitcoin miners. How effective is that? I don't know. But I imagine, I mean, it, maybe they're working with it. I know, you know, energy and heat go together for the most part, like uh, peanut butter and jelly. So, a whole lot of heat coming out of a volcano. Maybe they could turn that into energy. I don't know. I can't remember my physics class from fucking many, many moons ago. But, you know, you guys get it. You totally get it. And then what's happening is as El Salvador is so forward with promoting their Bitcoin involvement, their crypto involvement, the rest of the world is like, hey, you can't do that. You can't. The IMF, known as the International Monetary Fund, like you can't do that. That's a bad idea. If you do that, we're going to stop caring about you. And El Salvador is pretty much like you already don't care about us, so you know what's what's the difference between you not caring about us using the money that you want and you not caring about us using the money that we want. So it's a it's a thing happening, probably be in the history books someday. You can loosely pay attention to it, but right now it's rather unexciting. So um, I'm
2: reading some of this news. It's about how um, like BMW, Porsche are like implementing uh, ERC 20 tokens to track uh, user mileage to, to I guess, pay uh, customers to track their mileage and report it back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there are uh, many moves ago. There was a company that we interviewed uh, or the CEO of a company we interviewed that was basically trying to create, you know, a big bucket of all this motor vehicle data because it's a big business, man. The more motor vehicle data you can collect, the more you can sell it to insurers so their models become better and then they can justify charging higher premiums for things. Mm. So they're they're, they're really – motor vehicle data is something that a lot of people are trying to capture right now because at the end of the day, they're going to sell that data to insurers for a lot of money, a lot of money, right? So um, cool if it works. If you can incentivize people to hand over their motor vehicle data, and you trick them into that, then, you know, hats off to you. I don't wear a lot of hats. Corey's the hat-wearing guy. But that's that's going to never be – that's never going our way, right, Jess? Like they're always going to be trying to get more and more data on how we live because – Of course, you know. everybody's collecting data. Data is the new oil. Yeah. At right? the dad DAO, we just want to incentivize you to build things for the dad community because dads need love too, Right. Jesse, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want to talk about today, man? How do you, no, you just, think about the interview? Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, I thought it was interesting. It's a very good opportunity for those who can get on the staking side and get involved with that. It's definitely yeah. a huge money opportunity.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some dad advice: is that if you have the ability to run nine nodes at the same time, yeah. uh, then you should probably oh, try it. Yeah. Huh
2: yeah 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 continue sorry
1: and and you have a giant pile of money right because some of these nodes require staking and in order to stake you have to have that native token of that network that you're staking on right um you know for example solana i think what do you need 11 million dollars to stake right now it's
2: like 10 and a half million yeah 11 million something because
1: you got to have how many solana
2: Fifty thousand.
1: So you have to have 50,000 Solana, and on top of that, you have to have, like, basically a data center, um, and you can run a Solana node, and... You don't need a data you... center, but... Okay, I was exaggerating, but, okay. you no, know, whatever. Sorry, sorry, just sorry, I'm, on... I'm... No, sorry. it's okay. <laughs> I, I brought my rain boots and my umbrella for the rain that you're putting on my parade. Oh, my uh, God. But... Sorry, I got distracted by this information over here, but uh, yeah, if you can run nine nodes, then you can be a part of the bridge and the bridge is aiming to make it like really, really easy to bridge from chain to chain. And that's why their node is so intensive is because you're actually running like nine nodes and then one node that links them all together. Right. So then you're pushing these information and pulling this, not pushing and pulling, receiving this information and pushing out more information uh, to those chains. Right. To build the bridge. Right. So, like, if you want to go from uh, Binance Smart Chain to Solana, use the bridge. Right. So.
2: Uh, yeah, but I'm just reading this article about how Coinbase wants to be the AWS of crypto. At least the C- chief product officer is talking about that.
1: Isn't that the exact opposite of decentralization? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, it's like years ago. It's like, what did what did we expect? You know, but this is something that we've talked about. This is something that this guy has actually talked about for quite a bit. Negro Domus is that people's natural people have a natural affinity to centralize. Right. No, people have a natural affinity to want to make money. Well, yes, that's a part of it now. That's part of (laughs) our human nature. But also like. I'm just like, let's just be real. If every single person on the planet was required to has, house, like, I don't know, the 30 to 40% of knowledge on electricity that you need to be an electrician, then there would be pure chaos, right? Like, it would be pure chaos. But there's people that... So what I'm saying is that things naturally centralize and they don't always centralize technically. Sometimes they centralize knowledge. Sometimes they centralize in philosophies. Sometimes they centralize in like emotional reaction to things. But mm-hmm. things naturally centralize because humans pattern things. That's what makes us different than the animal, right? Animals like, hey, I need some water. Let me go find some. Humans like, holy shit. But you're forgetting some-
2: the, the 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 part where the centralization gets to a point where you have stratification, like extreme stratification, right? Right. And then the whole thing implodes and then restarts again. Yeah, yeah. That's, what we're, that's what we're experiencing, right? Centralization of fiat, creation of crypto, implosion, or uh, centralization of crypto, and then you have implosion again.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, Corey, to fill you in, I hope that was a great phone call, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. Um, what I was saying is... Um, so we're talking about Coinbase.
2: They're creating AWS, or they Coinbase they want to be the AWS. Publicly said they want to be. And the D's AWS like,
1: isn't crypto. that centralized? And I, I was like, yeah. So from a manager just, perspective, yes. You know, and, and so what from from Negro Domus's perspective over there?
0: What do you mean? What do I mean by AWS? Like, just they want to be the cloud infrastructure of crypto, or
1: yeah. like, yeah, kind of like a, I guess what uh, consensus old move, Cotton yeah what consensus is doing, so or trying doing they have that um what's the thing that they use Infura and yeah. yeah okay, that, that makes sense they, and, they
0: just, yeah, you just use them instead of running your own network.
1: and so basically, what I'm getting at is that humans naturally centralize things it's like it's we patternize things, we do that, and that's how well, less, why we're efficient I don't know if are.
0: okay, so I partially agree with that, um mhm. If we take a given topic,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. most people only want the surface level information of that topic so Mm -hmm. that they can interact with it. Mm -hmm. Only a small set of those people really care about the whole topic and the depths of that topic and how to like know everything about it. And so what you find is that most people want the abstraction or the idea of the topic which is a business case for someone to come in, understand the whole thing, make that abstraction in service to the people who don't really care. we talk about cryptocurrency. That's all of the minutia of handling private keys, uh, understanding how to do things, all, all that. It's just like, oh, you want crypto? Here's crypto, we'll take care of it for you. And that's always gonna be the case. Because most people don't care about most things. They care about one or two things and they kind of get the rest of it. And so you're always going to have abstractions being served to the majority of people who want to consume something. And those are businesses who are going to that have to make those abstractions. That's the whole point of a business. I do stuff that you don't want to do and make it easy for you to do it. Mm-hmm. And That's not going away, but like I keep saying over and over again, we have the option to leave if we want now, whereas we didn't beforehand. But I don't like, if I have my money in Coinbase and they make a move that I don't like, I can take it out. I have to learn more. I have to understand and be responsible for my funds. I have to figure out how to manage a wallet by myself, but I can still do it.
1: Mm -hmm. I can't do that with a
0: bunch of other stuff.
2: I think I would classify that effort as decentralization. Like you're 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 moving away from a centralized service. Like if Coinbase yeah. is no no bueno, and you pull out your value, let's say in, into Ethereum, and let's say Ethereum doesn't meet your qualifications of what makes something decentralized enough, and then you pull that value to another ecosystem because you think you could do better. And so that's the dynamic that I'm saying. Like yeah, things centralize until people don't like it or the thing has so much stratification, like in Ethereum, right? Let's say like the Gini coefficient's like 90. Uh, it's not, but let's say that it is. Where, you know, you have 1% of the users only uh, owning like, you know, 80% of Ether or some shit like that, right? Nobody's going to want to pull value to that ecosystem regardless of how potentially decentralized the validator structure is. So like, what I'm getting at is you have centralization until it's no longer, like people can, people want to go deep enough past the abstractions and it no longer becomes necessary for them to play in that ecosystem.
1: Yeah. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like we shouldn't be alarmed when things centralize because all the
2: yeah
0: that's normal. You,
1: you can make something mm-hmm. as decentralized as possible, but all you're doing is is, is extending the curve. Like you're extending the you're, long tail you're,
0: of you're extending the options that people have to do something. Or it, it currently you're just giving them options. Mm-hmm. Like A lot of what we've done so far is just provide a few options as opposed to you don't get options this is the way you do it
1: but things naturally they go to like for example dexes there were like i don't know if i can recall like way back when this idea of a deck started in 2017 there were there were a bunch there were like five or six of them but now the only the only two that people really ever give any credence to are Uniswap uniswap and sushi swap maybe there's another one hanging out there but one
2: inch, yeah. one inch or whatever
1: the volume is definitely getting caked up
0: i'd be curious i haven't looked at the numbers i'd be curious of like the the, the volumes across yeah current DEXs just on ethereum right mm-hmm. i bet i bet they're not as one-sided as you think they are in terms yeah. of the amount of volume flowing through them because we have aggregators that for routers that basically automate costs and find the lowest amount that costs to do it across a bunch of different validators take a small fee. And so the amount, amount of savings that they give you plus the fee ends up becoming less than just using whatever you know, right? That's ba- that's how MetaMask works. When you Meta. do a swap on MetaMask, it finds the best route for you and then takes a small fee across whatever is currently available that's secure by their standard. Meta MetaMask.
1: Okay, well, we've gone for about a solid fifty minutes now. I do think we need to wind down. We've we've talked of lots of topics here. Uh, we left out Jesse's amazing hair, so I just wanted to throw that out there. But we did talk about the dad DAO. Uh, we're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> we talked about it for ten minutes, but if you want to be a dad, you want to help crypto grow, and specifically right now, storming the beach of Algorand. Um, join the Slack. Join the Discord. Pick a role, get involved, uh, try to move as fast as we can. Uh, We've also got where I do shout outs this week, except for one shout out in particular. Where you at, girl? Where you at? (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to produce and talk at the same time. Produce. Kind of produce. Produce. Where you at? Okay, I guess we took her off of here. So that's not not a thing. Long neck and white smile? Yeah. Yeah. Long neck, wide mouth. She's not there. Um, but no we do, way
0: she's not there.
1: She's not there. So um, we do have one, uh, one thing we'd like to show you all that has benefited quite a few people in the Slack, at least personally, that if you do join the Slack and get involved and be a part of the conversation, this could be you. Are you working in a job that sucks bows? Does your job suck and ergo your life? Do You want to change that because your life is sucking? Join the TBP Slack, get a better job. That's right. So, uh, that's B roll in the world. That could, that could be you. Uh, <laughs> well, um, that's about it. We also do this Manscaped thing, but you know, everybody, Dude, we take over. We're us not too. doing that anymore. Those are gone. I mean, it's endless, right? We could just wait. Right, I guess we have it. a
0: bunch of them still. We need to give a few of them away. If you want to, Manscaped. Tell us why you deserve one and we might send you one.
1: Yeah, you gotta you show got us like pictures. you got like 10 of them. Gotta show us graphic pictures of the hair and you gotta send that no, to no, 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 Corey's no, no, inbox. No. Oh my god, gotta send that to Corey's <laughs> inbox so Corey can look
2: at it. If you, your you do that, it's going on Front Street. <laughs> So oh no! I <laughs> the
0: shit out of that. Don't oh, do that. No. Your
1: your situation has to be assessed to see if you need to be manscaped. So you got to send those straight to Corey. Oh, you
0: get put on Front Street. If that happens. I don't care how how groomed it is. All right, <laughs> on show. You
2: just uh, Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, and, God, do you have like a dick pics? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You're not going to get conventional dick pics. You're going <laughs> to
1: get like under dick. I swear to God. Right? Oh Where the hair? god. Where the I swear hair? to God. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be real mad. <laughs> we we got to do an outro here. i am trying. to Oh, here it is.